Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. What is going on, my beloved audience? I hope you guys are doing just quite peachy. I am here introducing this next episode of Room 9, where I sit down with an incredible man by the name of Nick Maytosh. He's an author, a life coach, a math teacher, a father, and I absolutely loved my conversation with this dude. I first came across him on Recovery Coach University's radio show, and they also do a Facebook live show where he was a guest on there. And the topics he touches on are everything that I love to talk about, especially when it comes to vulnerability in human beings. In order to establish connection with other human beings, we have to have this vulnerability. And he especially does it with his coaching with specifically men. And I obviously absolutely agree that every one of us human beings needs to find a way to be vulnerable. But I also feel like there is this societal expectation that men are not to be vulnerable or show any kind of weakness or sadness or any other emotions other than anger and sarcasm. So I absolutely love what this dude does. Our conversation went way too quick. I'm gonna have to have him back on because I could have kept going with him for hours which is kind of the case for most of my guests, but him especially, just because what he really teaches is something that is very close to my heart to teach as well. So we definitely just hit it off right away. He is a life coach, and he's an author, and his book is called Moving Past Mediocre. And you can find that on Amazon. And I'm almost done with it, and I absolutely love it. One of the first things he touches on is something that I have done in past presentations, which is really how we talk to ourselves and how we change our subconscious thinking to more positive things as opposed to negative things. So I really love that. His book is great. You guys got to check it out. Show him your love and support. And I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Get on over to the new room9podcast.com website. I changed it up and made it look more modern and professional. You got to check it out. Fill out a contact form. If you are looking to help spread the Room 9 message, you can do that in multiple ways. One of those is a monetary way, and you can get on our support page and read an article that lets you know what the money goes to, who's in charge of it, who looks after it. It's not just me. I am held accountable in that area, and you can read the letter to a donor and choose to sign up for a monthly donation and get something in return, or you can give a one-time donation. And there are also other ways you can help other than just donating money. You can get online and share on any social media platform that we are on. Just liking and sharing posts helps spread this word and helps people see it who don't normally see it. Or you never know, one share could get anybody to come across it that something that I say or my guests say or that you say with this post that can change and help somebody's life. Sometimes it's the littlest things we don't even realize that can help somebody have a complete paradigm shift that can change their life forever. So do everything you can to help out everybody everywhere. 
and also make sure you give us a like share on facebook on twitter on linkedin on where else are we instagram yes we're on instagram as well we are everywhere so check out the room nine podcast support page read the letter to a donor you can also get in contact with the person who keeps an eye on all my finances christine glavy she'd be more than willing to converse with you via email and that's all i got for you guys i had an awesome vacation with my kids I don't want to say I slacked off, but I definitely kept it in cruise control. Instead of putting in seven, eight hours a day into this, I kind of went down a little bit, maintained. Hopefully you guys enjoyed what you heard. If you did not hear, there is a collaboration episode that I'm doing with Spectrum Health, which is going to start to become a bi-weekly thing. Spectrum Health and Human Services is an outpatient clinic that helps everybody with substance use disorder. They've been around forever well before the stupid cable company and really help show them your support as well because they have some awesome people there anywho let's get on with this here is the episode with nick maytosh moving past mediocre is his book once again and you can find out where to get a hold of him in this episode so hope you guys enjoy leave me your feedback and have a great week much love y'all peace out they do that's why i edit that's right i'll give you something to do and you'll enjoy it <laughs> job security <laughs> oh man uh, i compare editing so far anyway to like in teaching the worst part about my job is grading because it's like oh, the most yeah. time consuming tedious making sure all the pieces are set mm-hmm. and i teach math so it's not as daunting as like if you teach english and you have you to gotta read, read all the essays, essays. yeah but it's by far the the thing I put off. It's the thing I loathe. And if I could outsource it, I would. But yeah. I can't. Uh, my significant other is also a teacher, okay. and she hates that. It's the worst. She does U.S. history, oh. so she does have to do essays okay. a lot. My sister is the same. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, I hate this. I mean, if I could just stand in front of kids and talk the whole day and, and just be mm-hmm. with them and teach, I, I would love 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 my job. I'd what uh, what grade do you teach? Uh, I teach high school, so I teach mainly Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. Okay. Algebra 1's more freshmen. Algebra 2 is kind of a mix of sophomores and juniors. Nice. Um, yeah. They're very interesting humans. Oh, the teenagers. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, you got one on the On the rise. The doorstep yeah, there. he's getting there. Look, he's, he's a complete nerd. <laughs> so, it, like, he'll be building computers and... Hopefully it won't cause me too much anxiety. Sure. Maybe you could fix your software it's, problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for that. <laughs> I am. So it's funny. Uh, yeah. How far things have come over the last few years. Yeah. It was a very small seed. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I was walking with, I was walking with my girlfriend the other day and she went on about, she's been talking about this guy who's been like going on about your retraining your subconscious and how you think and how you talk and she's like he charges like three thousand dollars a session and he like 50 if you want him reoccurring for the month fifteen thousand dollars i was like 
that's disgusting. I paid like fourteen ninety nine for this book. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about the same exact thing. And I was just laughing. I was like, I don't know what it is. I feel like some people just feel like you need to spend big money. Well, the thing is like, and I'll, I'll say this from both sides of the, the coin, like the book is is the, the easy access point, but it's like the do-it-yourself version, right? Like you could read my book and if you can take what's there, implement it, fantastic. But I've experienced this for myself and also for my clients too, is when I have someone that's there to hold me accountable to the things that I'm learning and like checking in with me daily and making sure that I'm, I'm holding up my end of the mm-hmm. bargain, all of the things that I'm reading about, they happen faster because I'm, I have someone kind of barking Keeping in my you accountable. and making yeah. sure I'm doing it. So like I have invested in, in coaches for myself that have been a couple grand here, a couple grand there. And it feels like, and especially, you know, since I'm married and any money mm-hmm. I spend is, is usually family money. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I have to explain to her what the value is. And it really is being in the room with someone, digital room, not in the actual room, <laughs> um, where they can, one, call me on the shit that I'm not doing when mm-hmm. I say I want to do that. And two see some of the blind spots that I have because I could read my book or anybody else's book and be like, Oh, I've got this. I've got this in six months will pass, <laughs> and nothing will happen. Like it's good to have the information, but the, the money that you're paying for a coach isn't necessarily for the information. It's, it's for having someone in your corner that can be like, you said you wanted to do this and you're not doing this. So let's talk about it. It is good to have. Yeah. So it's, it's a different, it's a different level. Like this is kind of the, the low level buy-in you get the information see what you can do with it but after a while i read so many books i was like i feel like there's something else there is that there's a gap that i'm missing and then i invested in a coach i was like oh okay i figured it out that Um, that accountability is huge Mm -hmm. yeah well that's funny because like i told you i have like i always said intellectually i mean when i was 25 i just went at it like stopped watching sports stopped doing all of that all of a sudden I'm reading, you know, I loved like Eastern philosophy and sure. just philosophy in general and psychology. Yeah. And I'm just became developed this introspective monster and I didn't have any kind of self-care with it sure, whatsoever. There is no kind of, hey, all there was was this negative list of things that I they sucked at. Changing. <laughs> right. Like you and suck. Do, that just do keeps better. growing. Yeah. It just right. keeps growing and growing and growing. But it was always like I knew I knew these things intellectually. Right. But you just like you wanted that magic recipe. Sure. So you Whereas, kept reading books, waiting for the yeah, next one. Come on, like, where is it? it yeah, I know this. What the hell? You know, and right. just waiting for it to something to happen. Like, okay, whatever. Right. I know all these things intellectually, but how sure. do I apply them? Right. And there's just no magic yeah. recipe. And what it comes down to is, you know, like like you said, you have somebody there that's holding you accountable to doing right. things and keeping sure. you in line and, and making you realize too that like it's never going to be the book. It's never going to be a podcast that, that does it. And my buddy that I'm doing my podcast with, he spoke to this on our, uh, one of our episodes that we recorded. He's like, we're not here to, to solve your problem. We're here to kind of create some awareness around maybe some things that you can start to try out, mm-hmm. whether it be like going and finding a coach to hire them or, you know, different practices, meditation, or like going to the gym, even if you're not a gym person, like how the, you know, the scientific benefits of, of, getting a workout in and and he's more of that guy i'm not that guy i go to the gym but i don't like he understands the science behind it and i'm like you go ahead i'll just sit here and drink my coffee i'll join the conversation when you're done but yeah it's the books the podcast all of this stuff it's great it's amazing Mm -hmm. but it's really just awareness it's like this is what's happening this is what you might be going through but i can't solve your problem through this microphone i can only no absolutely not you know what i mean 
Well, and I think so much of it comes back to, you know, we're all just so different as much as we're all like. Yeah, there's, and, there's a lot of nuance. And there's, yeah, so many different little things that, you know, that person needs to do for themselves to figure out what it is that's for ultimately sure. going to make things click and change. Yeah, very true, man. But so many people do. They want that that magic recipe that all of a sudden, all right, I'm fixed. I'm cured. That's why there's a bookshelf full of books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are great books, but not there's not one of them that had the... The answer. recipe. It's really just a collection of things, you know? That's how it goes. Yeah, so I got about halfway through your book. Maybe a little more, three quarters of the way. Okay. It's tough when uh, my kids were up from Florida. It's funny, the less I work when they're here, yeah. the more I work to them. You're always, especially because all my work is so much at home now. Sure. It's like, all right, I'm going to go for, do some work for an hour and a half, okay? All right, five minutes later. <laughs> Dad, are you done working yet? <laughs> like, you work so much. And this is the most time I've ever spent with him. But I've gotten him down. But kind of lo- what I loved about it, as I was sharing with you before we hit record, was I was like, I just found like, oh, this was all the shit that I started doing when I was in jail. Sure. And that I've shared with people just finding that how do I change how I think subconsciously? Yeah, because changing that top layer is, I mean, so much more. It's I don't know if I want to say easier, but I think you mentioned in there like you've been talking to yourself subconsciously like this for probably decades. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it's it's like um, you have done things in your life for decades more than that that you're just not aware of. Like I say in the book, you could if you spent two decades straight every night having a large pizza by yourself, like you would see the physical consequences Mm -hmm. of doing that. You would be very obese if you had this huge pizza every night. But think of that in the equivalent of what you're doing to your mind when you're saying, I'm not good enough. No one loves me. I'm not worthy of this. And you just do that for decades and decades without ever knowing it because it's not physically in front of you. It's just like at some some point, you're going to wake up to how that feels and it's just going to be like the physical ramification of eating a mm. pizza for two decades. And it's going to be like, what is this? <laughs> like, I hate this. What is this? And then it's just a matter of kind of unraveling it. But it's so much easier to change your physical habits because you can see Because you can see them. Right. It's something almost tangible. that Right. Yeah. yeah. Not to say that it's easy. It's just your awareness around what you need to change or should change on the physical side of things if you can see it in the mirror it's like oh okay okay yeah, yeah. This, this should be different but it, you know it, it still is you know it takes some work but the mental side of things you may never come across that that blind spot mm. of yours it might be an event in your life that comes up and you're like wow this is this is bad but if you're lucky enough you can catch it before that uh that moment and that's kind of something that i argue in the book there's a lot of people that wait for their their rock bottom they wait for that moment to wake them up and i'm like no you can start from where you are you don't have to you don't have to go that low right or hit that the bottom that hard in order to start changing we all love the you know the zero to hero story that hero's Mm -hmm. journey of like oh you had nothing and now you have something and that's awesome and so we assume that that's the path that we have to travel it's like no yeah we do you could be the middle of the road guy just average joe and and just decide that you want something better that's fine Mm -hmm. i remember when i started um you know before the book before all of this you know this uh this content that I put on often on, on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and stuff like I had just had this blog that I would write about, you know, all the things that I learned from these books on my bookshelf. And my brother-in-law was like, I don't get it. Like nothing bad has really happened to you. Your life is pretty good. So why? Hmm. Why do you feel like you, you need to read all these books and then like share all this stuff? And to him and like now my message, too, is like it never has to be 
that I, I had something tragic happen to me or that I, that I did something tragic for that matter. Like it could just be that I wanted something different and better and that's okay. And I mean, I say this to him and I also still wrestle with it. Like, yeah, nothing really has happened to me. (laughs) I wonder why I want to do this. And, uh, it's, it never has to be bad before it gets good. And I I think that's a pattern that a lot of us kind of buy into. And then we spend a lot of time kind of self-destructing because we think we have to get down there before we can rise up. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so interesting. Yeah. The whole self-destruction. Yeah, we do. We, I feel like we feel that we have to work for it extra hard. I always kind of use the analogy of you know the whole God's grace thing in Christianity. Sure. Where I'm trying to think. Come on. I'm a little rusty on my Bible verses. It's been a Same while. Same here. Um, I, I think it's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Oh. My listeners are going to be like, I can't believe he's quoting a Bible verse. <laughs> Ephesians 2, for by grace we've been saved, not of works. But I, it's always analogous to me like we always feel like there's nothing you can do to earn god's grace yeah and you know it doesn't matter what you do and i think whether you use it as like working towards enlightenment or just bettering yourself i think we feel like we have to go through this you know the joseph campbell's hero journey right we have to go through it in order to deserve it and earn it but yet yeah i mean i it's funny that you quoted a Bible verse because I think the way a lot of us see religion and why I've kind of separated from, I guess, organized religion, I see myself as a spiritual person. I believe there's God, universe, source. I don't put a necessary title mm-hmm. on it. But I think there's a lot of people that see God as a judging one and one that you mm-hmm. need to kind of prove right. Like I've, I I can make myself better. Therefore, you feel like you have to go through this, this entire journey, like you said. And something that I say to my clients a lot too is you know, most of my clients are husbands and fathers. They have kids. You have kids. I have kids. When your kid was born, there was nothing they had to do to earn love, appreciation, respect. Like they were just good, Mm -hmm. right? They just came out that way. And I doubt that any of us will consciously decide for them that they have to prove themselves to you over time. (laughs) Like it's, you're my kid. You're my blood. You're good. You're enough. And, you know, so much of the like scratching and clawing and trying to create something and working so hard, like you said, is trying to prove that we're enough. And like, just remember that you came from the same, that you were born just like your kid was born. Mm. And to your parents, you were the same way. You were just enough. And then you just, you grow up and you mature and there's bills and there's, you know, there's beer and there's all these things that kind of, (laughs) that just kind of load themselves onto you. And you, you start getting distracted and comparing yourself to others. And you feel like you have to do something else and perform. It's like, no, you can just be, and you're enough. Now, do you want to be better than that? Cool. Do you want to build on top of that and create some really Mm. cool things? Awesome. But start from the basis of you were already born enough. There's nothing else you have to prove. Now just go do stuff that you want to do. And sure, make a living. (laughs) That would be nice. All of these things are great. But like, there never has to be this requirement or, or journey to enough that's your starting place and then use that as the basis of what you want to do where you want to go from there yeah i was watching a movie with my kids on netflix the other day i think it's called a wrinkle in time okay i've i've seen previews for it yeah oprah's in it right yeah 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 that's right i forgot she's in there (laughs) and um i think it was actually oprah who says this line to this little girl that you know just is like i'm not good enough or whatever and oprah says this line of for over like 13 and a half billion years, the universe, since the Big Bang, yeah. the universe has gone through all of these certain points and certain cycles and just certain evolutionary advancements to get to you, who you are right at this moment right, right. now. Sure. 
And I was just like, that's such an awesome way to put it. Like everything, like for us to meet, it's been going, this has been moving forward for over 14, right. you know, or 13.6 billion years, whatever the sure. technical term is. Yeah. But I was like, and that's just so like dumbfounding to think just right. being a human, just being born is like, wow, that's it's amazing. It's pretty impressive it's in itself. crazy, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that I mentioned later in my book. I don't know if you've gotten to it yet. Like the, one of the last chapters is um, just kind of this interweaving story um, of the summer of 2017. I lost my grandma. And it, that was the same summer that we found out that my daughter Lucy was making herself mm-hmm. home in my wife's womb, you know? Um, so it was like this very interesting back and forth of going to a funeral and, and paying respect to someone who has ended their life and then also kind of experiencing the, new. the beginning of something. And um, I've heard the, the stat over and over again, and I mentioned in the book, like I don't know the official thing because I only spent like the first page of Google doing research. Um, <laughs> but the, the odds of you being here is like one in 400 trillion. That's uh, insane. That so is. In, yeah. the, in the book, I, I say I say something along the lines of like, it's like you were in this room or in line with 399 billion, 999 million, 999,000, and so on. And someone said, hey, you, you're in. And you're like, out of all these people? Because <laughs> one in 400 trillion, you get to be the person. And like just acknowledging that. And like some people will brush stats off like that. I'm like, oh, it's probably made up. But like think about how utterly crazy it is that your parents met and they conceived you and then like go back a generation further that their parents met and conceived them mm. and, like you play that back enough generations and it's gonna blow your mind like it does yeah my wife and i met on an elevator <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not like we we were set up on match.com it's not like we were introduced by our parents and like you will mate and, like it was just very crazy to me that even just the two of us met and the fact that we've created another human it's just mind-boggling and if we can really let that settle in that you are that person within this room of 399 billion 900 and so on like just find grace and gratitude in that you're gonna be okay yeah that's pretty (laughs) awesome yeah when you think about that many people being in line Like, right. yeah, I mean, that's... we've all been in Disney World. Like, you know how long those lines are? Oh, gosh. It's, uh, take that and multiply that by billions because <laughs> that's what it's like for you to be here. It's crazy. Yeah, it's super trippy. And that is, that's enough to really, if you kind of try to gather, wrap your head around that number to make you feel special. Like, right. oh, wow, this is pretty insane Yeah, that I'm here right now. And I think that's probably why a lot of people will shove that statistic to the side because you can't wrap your head around 400 trillion. So you're just like, ah, that's a big number. Like, no, it is a big number. A Think about that number. for a second. Yeah. Like nobody has that amount of money. Like nobody. <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. Yeah, but I just I, I I love that line. I was like, yeah, it does make you really kind of take a step back and wow, it is amazing that I'm just here. Yeah. And that the feel that you know self importance. I also feel like a lot of people don't want to. They almost they confuse confidence with arrogance in a lot a, a mm. lot of ways. Sure. Yeah. Where oh, I'm not allowed to say you know that I'm good at these things. I mean that's kind of the first thing I did with this guy I'm I'm coaching now is I asked him what are you know what are your strengths? I don't know. Right. I don't have any. Sure. <laughs> like, shut up, dude. Everybody has strengths. So. Right. Well, I don't like saying it because I feel like it's just being cocky or arrogant. Right. And, yeah. And we always like. That was something I had to teach myself. Like this, this humility, so-called humility that right. I think I have, is really just a lack of confidence in myself. Right. And you kind of cover that up with, oh, I'm being humble. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's a blanket thing that makes mm-hmm. you feel good too. Like, oh, I'm I'm being humble. Yeah. But like, no, you are. And and I think one of the 
important things about like owning who you are and your strengths and everything like that so the the crowd that says be humble be you know show humility and all of that like any adults that kind of communicates to that, that to their kid a part of being humble is like owning your mistakes right mm-hmm. and be like this is this is my bad i'm sorry that's kind of a part of that that concept of humble now if you want to own what you're not good at what you've made mistakes on like ownership if you can run the spectrum of ownership and own what you're good at and be okay saying that to the world like that's the same skill set that you're using in this quote unquote idea of being humble like you are owning your mistakes in this humility that everybody else has taught you so flip the script on that and say oh if i can own my mistakes and nobody cares if i do that i can own what i'm really good at and not in a way that's like i'm better than you but this is what I'm good at and, and show up in that energy and, and everything else will kind of take care of itself. A coach of mine once said, he's like, if you went to the doctor and you were bleeding out and your doctor wasn't confident in his abilities to, to save your life, would you be okay? No, you want someone that, that you're putting your, you know, you're not, I mean, obviously this is a very life or death situation yeah, you're describing, but, but like if, if you are going to someone for help, assistance, giving them your time, your energy, you want them to be confident in what they can give you. So like if you are holding that back, that's that's not, it seems like it's being nice to everybody else and letting everybody else kind of breathe their own air or whatever. But you're also kind of robbing them of the experience of what you're good at, you know? Like we all have these gifts and if you're not sharing them and talking about them, it's robbing people that need your help rather than, you know, making you or your parents feel nice that you you weren't cocky yeah i mean you're basically doing them a disservice yeah yeah essentially and that's exactly super important i've tried to even my kid i see it in my seven-year-old yeah like this lack of all right no confidence sure like self-conscious already like oh i'm not gonna i don't want to sing people are listening to me yeah like i tried to get her to sing on here and as soon as she seen i was recording she like just stopped sure and it's just so crazy to see I don't remember being that self-conscious when I was seven, but I mean, I'm just like, that's unbelievable. So I always tell my kids yeah. like, you know, you got to be confident every time I get off the Skype with them when they're home back, you know, with their mom or sure. whatever it is, like yeah. always be confident, never give up, be confident in your failures. Like you just have them repeat it back to me. Right. And because it's something I was like, it took your dad almost 33 years of, of existence to sure. even have some kind of confidence in himself. So right. Let me give you, you guys got to pick it up. You know, you got to out- show me up here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's true. Like, it's sad that kids of that age would, would react in any kind of self-conscious way. But I think it's it's also, it's something that I've learned as a, as a new parent, newer parent. My daughter is, she'll be 17 months in, in like a week. Even at her age, like how you react to things that are just going on with specifically you, not necessarily to her, but like mm-hmm. how you react to the world. They just, they are sponges. Man, so if you are oh, listening to this and you are a parent, like just understand like you are giving your kids a template, not so much in what you tell them. Like these things that you're saying are important, like giving them something to kind of stick to as an affirmation of their own or mm-hmm. something like Like these are awesome. But it's more so like how are you showing up? Because they're just watching and they're learning and they're sponges. Like I will catch my daughter saying things that I didn't explicitly say, hey, Lucy, say this, or I try mm-hmm. to teach her. She'll just... Say something out of the blue. I'm like, I've never said that. Have you said that? I'm still talking to my wife. Have you said that? I don't. And, <laughs> and like, nope. She's just, she picks it up. And like that goes for words and language, but it also goes with how you, you know, react to stress and react to how people think and, and so on. My wife and I have a code word um, for when one of us kind of talks negatively about ourselves to catch it so that 
we don't do that in front of her. Mm. So we just say selfie. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so like if, if my wife is saying like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like getting dressed up today. I don't feel pretty selfie. Or if I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I want to post this today. I feel like a schmuck. I I'm not in the mood. She's like selfie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's funny that we've come up with this word, but, um, I, I think for any parent to know that how important our role is not so much in what we say. Saying things is important. Teaching them explicitly is important, but it's more of the like implicit what are they learning by osmosis just being around us. It's nuts. I can't even, like, I know I'm going to screw stuff up. I know I will. <laughs> but just having some awareness around like, yeah, but even in that, knowing that you have this role, maybe I'll screw less stuff up. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, they are, <laughs> yeah, and they will. I mean, I've always say we screw up our kids no matter how hard we try not to. <laughs> right. We do it. That's that's it. And I mean, even my son, like I see some of the qualities I was going over with him, all these, even some of the negative qualities he yeah. picked up from me. I'm like, yo, bro, I can only just shit tell you, <laughs> sorry and apologize. You sure. got this for me. Right. That's, you know, it's up to you to stay aware of it. Okay. And work Break the it. curse, kid. Break the curse. I'm sorry that I gave this to you. Yeah, my bad. But just so you know, you got that for me. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It's like, that's all I can do. If I, I mean, I always wish my parents, I just, I remember when I was like, I just started watching my parents yeah, to see what was in me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, usually see my dad would get cranky and mumble in the other room or something. Sure. And the one day I remember I was probably like 27, 28. And I remember my girlfriend, Christine, she did something that annoyed me and I caught myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm mumbling just like my father over sure. here. Yeah. I got to stop this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I catch myself doing that, too. And my dad's an awesome human. And, like, I don't think anybody has a, a bad thing to say about him. So, Dad, if you're listening, I doubt that you are. But if you're listening, love you. You're an awesome dude. So I've, I've picked up a whole lot about, like, being a husband and father just by watching him. Mm -hmm. and, and truth be told, like, we've never had, like, super deep conversations about what that means to be a husband and, and father. It's just stuff that I've, I've learned and, and watching him and like how he shows up for my mom and how, you know, they, they stay connected. They've been married for, I don't know, 30 some years. I don't even know. But it's just, it's crazy how much we learn through observation. And it's not so much that it's just like osmosis, but as a kid, when you look at your parents, these are the closest humans in your life. You love mm -hmm. and trust them with everything. And something I talk about in the book too, about, um, well, you're a Buffalonian. So like the Buffalo Bills chapter. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you, you just look up to people and trust whatever they say, trust whatever they do and think that that is gospel. Think that uh, that is what is the right thing to do. So if you watch your dad, you know, mumbling under his breath mm -hmm. and it's you're like, oh, OK, I, I trust this guy. I love this guy. I should do that. It that seems sounds like, like a good idea. It's not like you make this <laughs> conscious decision at no, 27 no. to start mumbling. It's just like, oh. <laughs> Interesting how that has been sitting dormant in the back of my mind. And here I am. Oh, it's crazy. Being the same way. And, uh, you know, some of it is, is gifts that I get from my parents. Some of their, you know, they're human, so they have flaws as well. And I, I find myself in some of those. I'm like, oh, right. But also understanding as, as adults, whatever your parents were or what they did and, and so on, you don't have to be that way. When you become a Absolutely. conscious human being, yep. you can change that. And you can break whatever their... Um, their gifts quote unquote were like you don't have to be the same and so many of us look at that and like oh i'm just i'm my mother's daughter or <laughs> i'm my father's son i can't change like yes you can like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you came from who you came from what environment you were raised in if you believe you can't change then you won't but if you believe that there's an opportunity maybe maybe that you could shift something you can and that's that's the beauty of being an adult and being able to make your own decisions but there are some kind of 
general templates that you're given from your yes you are parents. yeah that's a fact <laughs> yeah oh my gosh so many i always tell people you want to learn about yourself watch your kids watch your parents that's very true and that's like they're, they're almost a mirror they are mirrors aren't they mm-hmm. yeah i uh i told my wife when we were thinking about having kids my wife if you watch like uh, childhood movies of, of her she was like a cartoon character she was off the wall <laughs> singing and just like babbling and telling stories that didn't make sense i joked with her i'm like i i hope that i we create a cartoon character because she is just <laughs> like you on screen is just the most entertaining thing and my daughter lucy is just like my, really my that's awesome was. she's just a nutcase and in the most loving and fun way like she's not you know, throwing tantrums and a nutcase in that way. She is just off the wall with energy and always smiling and bubbly. And um, so, yeah, it, it's, she's definitely a mirror of how my wife was and probably also my expectation of like, let's create this human that's a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> I put it into the universe and it happened. That's awesome. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I loved um, that I've heard from you, even doing that uh, recovery coach with Keith, yeah, was the, you know, you're t- talking about the concept of how we all think this you know, part of what a man really is, yeah. is this, you know, tough guy kind sure. of only show anger, only show sarcasm kind of thing. Right, right, right. And I, I always joke around the, the cause of my divorce was um, Brene Brown's vulnerability TED Talk. <laughs> Where I was like, how did that cause a divorce? I would love to know. And well, I always tell people because I was with this woman where I was that dude just showing sarcasm, anger, sure. football's on, give me a beer, Yeah, I'm going to watch You're it. fitting the stereotype. Fitting the stereotype beautifully. And then there, I mean, I've always been more of like kind of more sensitive for yeah. sure. But I think, you know, I did a very good job of kind of hiding that as well. And I remember I watching that Brene Brown talk, it just something just like flipped in my head, the switch. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm from this, you know, I'm a, this stereotypical guy. And then I'll, I want to talk about my feelings. And <laughs> my, uh, my now ex-wife, she was like, what? I did not sign up for this. Right. And I signed up for the guy just, that was yeah. the stereotype. Mm-hmm. That's what so like she kind of like shut down after that. And I remember that's that was probably a year and a half, two years is when we just were like totally went separate directions. Oh, yeah. But I've always I've loved that whole concept, and I loved when I heard you say it because yeah. sometimes I'll go up to dudes and like, yo, man, when's the last time you cried? <laughs> <laughs> just ask them straight up, and it's I mean, nice I've got cold open. Oh, it's great, and I've just got an answer sometimes. Like some dudes don't remember ten years, you yeah. Know, Eight years, nine years, just so many people. Sure. Since the last time they cried, and yeah. I'm like a little baby in that sense. Mm-hmm. I think on on the spectrum of men that cry, I'm I'm uh, the far left or <laughs> far right. I'm one of the two. <laughs> I'm a, I'm definitely a crier. If it's something I'm passionate about or I'm I'm upset about, angry about, even when I get angry, like somehow tears come. I, I just um, and it's something that I similar to you, like you. I've always kind of had that as a kind of a foundation. It's always been a part of me, mm-hmm. but. As you grow up and you look around at the environment and the culture and you're like, okay, I'm a man now, I'm a husband now, I'm a father now. And you try to figure out what that means and where you're supposed to fit in and what stereotypes you're supposed to fall into, what boxes. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, not to say that I like pushed it down to a level that I couldn't recognize it anymore but in opportunities where i could have showed emotion or opened up in some way aside from with my wife i think my wife has always been a gateway to that that part of me because Mm -hmm. she just kind of makes me melt but like with other people i would kind of step away from it to fit into the the role that i thought i was supposed to play as a man you're supposed to be strong you're supposed to be stoic you know 
I even remember when my my uh, my grandpa passed when I was like twelve, hearing my my mom or my dad say like we have to be strong for grandma, like having to hold what we felt for the sake of someone, someone else, else, so they don't have to see you and feel uncomfortable in seeing you in that. And you know, as a as a guy, it's definitely this. We've all kind of been conditioned in a way that mm-hmm. feeling isn't for you. It is for your female counterpart. Let her do the feeling, and you just be there to support her. You be a, a, a symbol of strength. You know, you are the the strong counterpart to her weakness. And we, I'm quoting weakness. I'm air quoting. This is an audio thing. Why am I air quoting? Um, <laughs> you always have to say air quote. Right. Exactly. Like in quotes. We just get so lost in in these concepts that we think we need to fit in. And the the sooner you realize that emotions are just a human thing and not a male or a female thing, and really dig into that and not just brush it off as something that Nick, this this life coach, is saying on a podcast. Like, everybody's allowed to and should feel how they want to feel, express that normally and, and, and in the way that they see fit. Because when you don't express an emotion, whether it be joy or frustration and anger, it just kind of stays with you. It kind of just sits in your stomach and it waits for the next opportunity where you get to release it and it often comes out in ways that aren't healthy Uh, not not to say that they're not healthy but it's just this grand release when you could have just let it out a little bit at a time Mm -hmm. i say in the book that you know this shows up in terms of like feeling your feelings at funerals like the family of the person that's passed is often trying to hold it together the entire wake and funeral the whole procession everything and then you see them at the end of the last day or something and they are just in a heap of tears because they've been holding it in for so long and they've had this pain, they've had this frustration, they've had this anger, this grief. And if we would just allow ourselves, especially as men, to just feel it when it comes instead of rejecting it and saying, this isn't for me because I'm a dude, it it just allows us to be free of it because as soon as that person at the funeral, the family member that has lost someone, as soon as they kind of let out the tears, they let out that that just deep bellowing cry that's been sitting within them. It's just like this crazy relief. Like oh, I know yeah. we've all f- lost someone and, and have kind of walked through that path of trying to be strong and eventually like, mm-hmm. breaking down. After you break down, it's the most amazing like relief. The shoulder yeah. just it just rolls off your shoulders in a way that if you would have just allowed it to be there and let it sit with you and let it you know kind of process through you, you would have been fine, and it wouldn't have to you know wait until this grand moment of, of letting it go. And it's a beautiful thing that when guys actually embrace that, it is. Yeah. It, it frees them from feeling like they need to be some type of way because they've experienced and have evidence of, I'm still a guy, I'm still a man, I'm still a husband, I'm still a father, and I. Feeling this wasn't a detriment to that. It was just, I'm human, and here I am, and that's okay. And um, I think especially as, as fathers, showing that to our kids, whether we have sons or not. I know you have a son. I don't yet. We'll see. Who knows? We'll see. But um, it's it's an important thing for, for guys to know for themselves, but also to, to show their kids and show further generations. Like, we don't have to be this guy that works for 40 years straight, doesn't shed a tear, goes into work, comes back with the, you know, brings home the bacon and like this very stereotypical model. That you, it's like the Mad Men model. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not the way it has to be, nor should it be, because if we, I think as leaders in the home, leaders in the community, leaders, it just men that we kind of hold that role, people are looking to us to see how we respond to the world. And if we can respond with a little more love and compassion for ourselves and for others, it just teaches other people to do the same thing. And if we continue to just be more combative and angry and frustrated and think that that's the normal thing, that will continue to be the normal thing within the culture around us. I mean, you look around and 
It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you, you it see, really is. You see the combative, combative. That's not a word. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Have fun editing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you see that combative nature, and it's like, where does that come from? It comes from a long line of leaders, mainly men. I mean, women are definitely stepping their game up, and they're becoming leaders in their own right. But for generations and generations, men have led the way. And if we can understand that that's a role that we have and leads, lead with an open heart and, and an emotional self, knowing that that's part of being human instead of being man or woman, man, I think everybody else from generations on would, would I think, just connect with each other in a, in a more wholesome way and not oh, feel absolutely. like it has to be me versus you and all this disconnect and frustration between different cultures and different people. It's, man, it's... Uh, it can be toxic. I think we see that in the world. It, it is toxic. Yeah, and it's. I, I tell people all the time, it took a lot more bravery, a lot more courage to be able to just cry when I felt like crying. Yes. I mean, it really does. And I, I remember just thinking, I've realized the importance, because I remember having to teach myself how to weep yeah. over again. Sure. And I kind of always tell people, me, the beginning of me, at least learning how to coexist with my brother and sister dying when I was 15 was when I was probably about 25, 26, and I just wept about it. Sure. And I remember it was after, I love telling people this, because people always ask me, what did you, you know, what kind of caused that? Yeah, sure. That, you know, that that paradigm shift. And, well, I was, I took mushrooms for the first time. Right. So (laughs) your guard was down. With my best buddy. Yeah. And I wasn't crying. I was laughing. But I remember we were laughing about something and like had the snot running, my stomach hurt. And I remember that that weightlessness after. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the same feeling yeah. you get after you're done like weeping. Right. It's the same release. Sure. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to learn how to cry more. When's the last time I cried about something? And it was just so funny how I had that connection sure. all of a sudden with, with all of it. And I, was, and I remember just kind of looking up and thinking about how the hell... Am I going to like learn how to cry more? (laughs) How do you teach yourself how to cry more? And I just remember kind of just thinking about it and thinking about it. And all of a sudden it was just, it was, it was just kind of letting this guard down and letting things to be okay. Sure. But at first I was almost like trying to force this, this weeping and this crying to come out. (laughs) I mean, that's funny that you say like force because that is the male yeah, Default. I'm like, going to force, I'm going to cry. I'm going to grind out this crying that needs to happen. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dance between the masculine energy and the, the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Like the feminine energy is to allow it to happen and just let it kind of wash over you. And men will hear this and say like, well, I don't want to be feminine. Like it doesn't mean that you have to be a chick to allow it. It's just that <laughs> being a human, you have a little bit of a yeah, balance. You're not, gonna, you're not putting makeup on. Right. No, you just allow it to happen. Let it wash over you. And I promise you, it will be the greatest gift you can give yourself because it, it can be such a relief. There's so many guys that are either listening to this or just walking through life with so many painful moments that they haven't processed. Yep. You know what I mean? And if they were, I mean, it took you 10 years, you know? Um, a, a friend of mine recently is going through some stuff and he came over to talk to me. And you could, even as he's, as he's talking, and he's, he's breaking down a little bit, but I know if it was me that had the same story that I was talking, I mm-hmm. would be just on my knees in tears. And I could see him like holding back and fighting through it and trying not to cry in front of me. And I was just like, dude, let, Let it, it go. go. Yeah. It's okay. Like this is a safe space, one, but two, you are going to feel so much better. Like you, you still have some things you got to figure out after you're done crying about it. But like if you got to cry, cry. Because if you walk through life mm-hmm. with that pain in your chest, man, it is it is hard. Oh, it's terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. I think I mentioned, I think I kind of chimed in when you were doing that, the show with Keeve. Yeah. 
I remember my brother and I were wrestling and my brother broke my collarbone. Yeah. And I was crying. And I remember my dad coming in, stop crying. Sure. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting here with a broken collarbone. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, I was probably about my son's age, I would sure. say. And I just remember that. And the, it just gets throwing at you, throwing at you. You can't cry. You can't show emotions. And Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting way that we program boys, men. Because it's the same thing. I... I remember playing baseball. I broke my collarbone playing hockey. Not so much with the hockey stuff, but with baseball, I, I have definitely just specific memories of, you know, getting hit by the pitcher or having some kind of injury in some way. And coaches, or or just other men at the field, would be like, "Don't rub it. Mm-hmm. Don't don't act like it hurts. Like just walk down to first base. Act like nothing's wrong." And that's kind of the default. It, it's the the party line for men is, "Don't cry. Don't show emotion. Just mm-hmm. tough it out." And I'm glad. I feel like in this day and age, uh, there's more men that are kind of opening it up to what it might be like to say, like, that's not the way that it should be. Yeah. But there are still a lot of guys that just, and it's not their fault, but it's just what they've learned, what they've learned, what they've learned, and what they assume to be the right way to do things. And um, those guys are walking around with a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of a lot of anger that they haven't expressed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dude, let it let it rip. Let it go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I think it's super important to have that those good friends that you, you can you can come over and do it with i remember my, me and my really good buddy dave that i've known since about seventh eighth grade who's kind of just always been there he's you know like my brother i remember he was struggling he just started teaching and he was just <laughs> stressed stressed out first year teaching and i yeah. think he was just overwhelmed and i remember he just came and i was like what's going on man how's it going <laughs> he didn't even get a word out he just sure. started crying was yeah. like, oh my god and yeah it's just so important to have those people that you can correct you can do that around yeah and uh, I will say, like within the uh, the brotherhood of men that are around you, like if you don't know if you have that, like one, the internet's an amazing thing where you can find people that maybe you can't go to their house and have this open weeping session, mm-hmm. but there are definitely supportive groups of of men that are you know are supportive of other guys that are open hearted and and ready to come to the table with whatever issues they might have in life and need someone to talk to about it and just open up and let it rip. There are guys out there whether it be Facebook or just the internet in general, like you can find people. Don't use the excuse of you're from this small town where you only have four friends from when you were six years old <laughs> and they're all of the same mindset of tough it out, tough it out. Mm-hmm. Like go and find some internet friends. There's plenty of them. But yeah, it's it's so, so important to have people in your corner that you can trust. One, won't go and tell everybody. You know, there's... <laughs> well, I, I was even... with Nick. He was just crying like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. My buddy that I mentioned, uh, he was leaving. He's like, "All right, like, don't tell anybody." I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I was just about to go post about this on Facebook, you <laughs> son of a bitch." God damn but yeah, having people that will will have your back, not tell anyone, and keep this, you know, as as your your thing, um, is is super important. And let having that space to to open up, it's crucial for guys. So find that guy. Super crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I love love that. That's, I think when I had had that on with you and Keith, I was like, all right, I got to try to get this guy on the podcast. (laughs) I try to get Nick on the podcast. Well, I'm glad you made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love, uh, I love preaching that. I don't want to say preaching that. It sounds terrible, but I love talking about that with dudes because it's amazing how long some guys go without even thinking about crying. Like, sure. I haven't cried. I haven't cried. Right. 10 years. I'm like, holy shit. That's crazy. I was like, I got tomorrow. I'm already trying to prepare myself because I know I got to say bye to my kids tomorrow morning. Sure. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a mess. 
It would yeah. be a mess in that airport. <laughs> Can't even imagine that, man. It's but, it's funny though. Like the longer you wait, because there there are certain moments where I think it's our all, all fair game to let out your emotion, right? So people mm-hmm. people pass. You know, go you go through anything tragic that might fall into a, a similar category of grief, and nobody's gonna say like, "Don't cry" in those moments, right? So if you wait 10, 15 years to cry, and then you're in this moment, like. Good God, look out, because you're carrying not just the death of this person or whatever tragic moment you're walking through into this moment of kind of letting some emotions go, but like you're letting that go. You're letting that breakup from high school oh go. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's a just, decade of things. Oh, my yeah. God, It's going to take you to your knees in a way that you wouldn't even imagine. So like if you can just let it out here and there and be open to the fact that when you say goodbye to your kids, like it's normal. Mm-hmm. To to be sad about that and to shed a tear here and there and be all right with that, I think that's a beautiful thing. There's just a ton of dudes that are like, "No, I'm good. I'll be fine." <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I've, I've I mean I've caught myself and I'm aware of it already. This past week, when I would think about it, like, sure, you got to be that voice coming in. You got to be strong for right. the kids. Sure. Don't cry. You know, you don't want them upset. Yeah. And all these just different excuses of, right. you know, whatever it is, and it's like, you know what? That's bullshit. I'm gonna be crying anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't matter how. Right. Even if I didn't want to cry, sure, right? It's 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 happening, but yeah. it's just yeah, it's, it's gonna insane. happen anyway. Yeah. If you judge yourself for it, you're gonna feel like crap, and and yeah, you're not gonna feel any time. better afterwards. Right. Just it'll, it'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it is funny. Just automatically, those excuses come up. You don't want your son to feel bad, or just whatever it is. Right. And, yeah. And then there you go. There's always that voice in your head that's trying to convince you of something else it's how we roll it is it is it absolutely <laughs> is oh my gosh it's another part i had in my list of things to talk to you about from the book oh the fear of success oh yeah was a good one sure i loved that part That's i always sad. um and i loved how you call it the familiarity zone yeah i yeah. mean so many of us and i i put myself in this category so please don't think i'm preaching from some pedestal but like we all love to talk about the comfort zone and we say Oh, I just got to get out of my comfort zone and do things that I'm uncomfortable with. But often if you want to make some form of change in your life, that means you're already uncomfortable. So like if you're saying that you're in your comfort zone and you need to get out of your comfort zone, you're probably already out of your comfort zone. You're just in a zone of familiarity, like I call it in the book. Like you are, let's say, overweight. That's not fun. That's not comfortable. But you've gotten so used to it Mm. that it's become normal. And changing that is harder than just continuing to sit on a couch and let yourself be obese. Um, Or if you're in a relationship that isn't working anymore, it's easier to float through that for 20 years than to have that conversation that ends it or pivots it in a different direction. It's not that you're comfortable with the the relationship. You are just so familiar Familiar with that person. You're used to them being around. You would rather them be around, even if they're a toxic human to you, than be alone. Like the, the alternative is so scary to you that you would rather be uncomfortable with your familiarity than take a chance on what might be out there. And I mean, that goes for success too. Like you said, the the one chapter on fear of success, we all, I think it's a general notion that we're all scared of failure. Sure. Mm -hmm. But most people would reject the idea that we're also a little bit scared of success. And the reason being like, the reason we're scared of failure is because it takes us out of what is our familiar zone. It takes us out of where we're comfortable and, 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 cool with life like we all have this homeostasis that we exist at and if we fail we often fall below that and if you succeed what happens is you go above that but you're still out of that homeostasis that middle ground that you've become so used to and um 
it can be just as scary because it takes away from what your status quo has been and it's changed and it's different. And it's not that different has to be worse. It's not that different has to be this daunting and scary thing, but anything that's different in your life to your mind is scary because your mind yep. loves to just stay. <laughs> it, it doesn't want to go anywhere. Yep. It just wants to stay on repeat and run through this thing until you croak. So like anything that's different, failure or success, they they both take you out of what that normalcy is. And I, I talk about it in the book. Like for me with my coaching business, I was so scared that my coaching business would would succeed in any way because what my mind was telling me was that if I succeed with coaching, if I start to get clients, if this starts to work out, I'm going to take away from time I have with my family. Hmm. So my mind is saying, this is the, the negative of being successful. Now, the objective thing is my the clients are coming in, the money's coming in, that's amazing, but that means your homeostasis that you've grown so used to, which is having time for family, it's gonna change. Scared the crap out of me. So it's not that I would actively not try the coaching thing. What would happen is I would try to acquire clients, but the energy that I was putting into it was one of, yeah, I'm gonna put this out there, but I kinda hope it doesn't work out. <laughs> because if it does, then it's gonna take away from what I know and love, mm -hmm. which is my family and my, my quality time with them. And it wasn't so much that I had to reject that fear, it was reject the idea that because I was going to be successful in some way, it was going to take away from what I already know and love. And that's kind of the, the game that you have to play when you're going to, to try to find that next level of success is don't try to dismiss that it's going to change things because it will. It, it's just the, the mm -hmm. way success works. If you want to get better, you're going to have to change. Just understand that it doesn't have to rob you of what you currently have. It can make it so much better if you really if you spend allow some time it, yeah. and convince yourself and allow that to be the narrative instead of this is going to rob me of what I currently have. Instead, just say this is going to make what I currently have so much better, which now that I've gotten into the coaching groove, like it has, like it brought brings in money for our family. It gives us freedom because I used to, side note, I, I teach high school, right? So I used to teach summer school because it was just extra money, extra yeah. money, right? My coaching business is at a place where I don't have to do that anymore. And now I get to be home with my family during the summer and spend some quality time and go to the museum of play when we want to, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's gotten better. And before my mind at, at the place that it was at was like, no, 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 no. That next level is going to take away from this. And it's actually added to it. And it's made it easier. It, yeah. It's yeah, giving you it's more. It's just a matter yeah. of like believing that before you take the step, instead of thinking that just because it's something different that it has to remove something from you there's no sacrifice required there's no like i have to trade this current life for the next one and get rid of what i currently enjoy hmm. it's just like you can make it better it doesn't have to all be taken away yeah i guess we always feel like there's has to be an exchange going on mm -hmm. <laughs> gonna do this so i have to give up this or right i mean that's kind of how we we live in a very transactional culture. We right? absolutely do. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like, I'm going to pay you this, you give me that. Or I'm going to do this for you because you're going to do it back for me. There's always this reciprocity. And I guess in a certain way, there is something that has to be sacrificed, but it's not the things you enjoy. It's just you probably have to sacrifice the belief that you don't get to have more. There's, there's probably somewhere within you that you're like, I'm not worthy of that next level. Mm -hmm. I don't deserve it, yada, yada. Like, that's what you have to sacrifice. That's the exchange that you have to make is getting rid of that and tossing that to the side. It's not that you have to remove the good stuff about life in order to find something better. Because so many of us, I think, get caught seeing it that way and then just stay. Because that's what our mind likes us to do is just chill. Stay where it is. I mean, I think you use the analogy of, you know, driving a car. 
Yeah. And how even my son asked me anyway, is driving easy? I was like, hey, you don't even think about it after a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I, yeah, crazy, right? It's, it, it's just so many things you do that are just become so you don't you don't think about it anymore they just get shoved in underneath and there's so many negative things we do that get shoved sure. underneath right and we don't even notice we're doing them and it takes a lot of discipline and work to really become right. mentally aware of them yeah i mean it would be the same overhaul as if you had to start driving again from a blank slate mm-hmm. not knowing how to do everything like put you know put things into gear and the pedals and how do those work like going back to that 16 year old version of yourself or whatever that needed to learn you have to kind of break yourself back down to that that baseline if you're trying to take some of those negative beliefs and and try to change them to something more positive. It's uh, and that's why it, it's so prevalent that rather than changing, we're just gonna stay here. Stay because the the familiar zone is the place where we don't have to go back and relearn. We don't have to you know spend time looking at who we've been and how it's kind of manifested in our life and and try to shift some of that stuff because that's scary. It is. Yeah. It's, it's going to rob you of what you have deemed to be normal, what you've uh, you know deemed to be the truth. Like you're going to find new truths along the way. And it's like, oh, man. And then there's going to be a part of you that's like, I believe this for 20 years. I can't believe that. And you're going to try to beat yourself up. I'm like, oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you're just like, oh, that was interesting how I did that. And then oh, move man. forward. It's it a is. funny little game we play. It, it's hysterical. And I always, I always look at it like, I mean, ultimately what we all want is kind of essentially is connection. Sure. You know, yeah. And... In order to get this connection, we need to be to truly feel it. Is we need to be open, vulnerable, honest, yeah, and all these other you know, all these beautiful things. But sure. yet we think when we do that, we won't get connection. <laughs> right. So we hide our vulnerability sure. and we hide all these things about us because we want to yeah. feel connected. But the reason why we're not connected is because we're not showing those things. Correct. And we're we're scared we're going to get turned down. And yes. I just love this the battle, the mental battle, man. Is something else. It's uh, it's a war, man. It's it it's is hard. insane. And it, I always like think back to when my wife and I first started dating. I think it was the the first time that I was conscious of the fact that I wasn't going to like play the game. I was just going to mm-hmm. show up as who I was and take it or leave it. And it turned out to be the most amazing thing that I have ever experienced. You oh, know, shit. it's yeah, it's um, so many of us kind of enter into that that place where we hope for connection and we think that we have to only release a little bit at a time like we give them this facade Mm -hmm. first like this is my instagram filtered version of me and then i'm going to give you a little more plain version and then you're going to see some real stuff when i hit some bumpy parts of my path and i just walk into it and i mean i'm saying this in retrospect and i know i probably put on some i mean i guess if we're getting technical you always do yeah yeah there there was some, some fluffy fronts that were put up but I know that I entered into it thinking, like, I don't want to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And that, true, true to your point, like that was where the you most genuine connection, connection happened. Yeah. You found somebody who actually right. likes you for who you are. Like, well, oh that's how God. you do that. It's crazy how that works, right. isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, to think that she enjoyed my dad jokes well before I was a dad. <laughs> it's, uh, it, was it is. A, it was it's just, it's, it's insane when you, I mean, and you, when you kind of like spell it out for yourself, I want to get somebody to love me for who I truly am, but I'm not going to show them right away who I truly am. Like that sounds so stupid, right? right? Yeah, it's yeah. just it's, it's something hysterical. That, that I like to post about every once in a while because I post a lot about it on, on like Facebook and Instagram. I try to put stuff out there that's positive because there's a lot of um, let's say negative things yeah, on the, on the Instagram. Just a little bit. And so yeah. 
So I always say, like, you aren't allowed to complain about someone not connecting with you if you didn't bring yourself to the mm-hmm. table. It's just not fair. And and there's so many of us, especially in the game of love, that will show up with this facade. And like, I don't know why it's not working. Why like, isn't it working out? Because you haven't showed them who you are. Huh. And maybe, and the part of it is, like you said, there's fear that you're going to be rejected for that person, but what an amazing filter you could live through, which is everybody that I connect with is connecting with the real me, so therefore they're going to be my people. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're playing around with this facade and connecting with people, and then it kind of goes off the rails when they find out who the real you is, like, where's your complaint? Because you were the one that kind of set the foundation of mm. where this was headed. Yeah, and it's like, why do you, and I've always told people, why do you want to be with somebody who doesn't like you for who you truly are anyway? Right. Why, do you, why it, do you have to continue this facade for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's painful in itself. It absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. I always I always love this Carl Jung quote. Uh, what is it? People will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own darkness and their own yeah their own selves because it's just it's it's a crazy journey man to to dive in and find out what you need to work on what you need to change right there's a lot of dark corners but the way that i like to see it too is there's so many of us that get into this game of personal development and self-help and they want to better themselves and they feel like they have to go on this this big grand journey to build some like transformer version of themselves like some superhuman thing Mm -hmm. and i like to argue like no it's not about putting more on top of who you are or building up the person that you are it's really about carving out all of the stuff that isn't useful to you and finding Mm -hmm. the actual person that's been there the whole time because you've been putting up a front for so so long long. if you could just take a moment instead of trying to build size skyscrapers on top of who you are just remove all the rubble and start from there burn off your dead wood <laughs> like that is no. that is the game of personal development it's not about building someone else it's about finding out who you were before you put all, all the beliefs the shit. and all the shit and yep. all the stuff that wasn't you and you just kind of downloaded from other people or whatever if you could remove all of that and get back to who you were the whole time that's the gift and it's it's a, it's a shorter route than most of us need to take, but I think some of us would argue that like I needed to go through this to come back to who I was. And I, I think in a certain sense, I've experienced that as well. But at the end of the road, it's usually you did this big lap. <laughs> it, it's, it's also, I think Alan Watt, one of my favorite philosophers, always tries to tell what's the line he uses. Someone's trying to show you a way to enlightenment. It's like somebody who stole your watch and sold it back to you. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like you just, you got everything you need already. And right. it's there. And this clinical psychologist I like, he always talks about burning dead wood off. You just got to burn your dead wood off. It sucks at times, but sure, you got to carve it out, get it off, get rid of it. Yeah, it makes sense. Find out what it is. Right. I like that. It's a beautiful thing. All mm-hmm. right, Nicholas. What do we do? We did about an hour and 20 minutes here. Cool. We let it flow. It flies by. That's Yeah, that's always what I do. I just kind of let the things go. I try not to come in with an agenda too much. No, I dig it. Too much. Yeah, I love the, f- the best compliment I got was somebody sent me a message. I love your podcast. I feel like I was just having coffee with you and your guest. And I was like, that's what I want. Hey, look at right that. there. We're having coffee. And we're actually having coffee. So if you're listening to this and having coffee, you're literally having coffee with us. There we go. Unless you're listening to this when we're not recording, which is going to be the only way you're going to listen to this. So you're not really having coffee with us. But we might be having coffee while you're also listening to this, that's, but at a different time and space. Yeah, we can absolutely. talk about quantum physics another time. Oh, I'd love that, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thank you for doing what you do. I love your book. 
how do people you know get your book where do they got to go how do they find you how do they find me man that's uh, it's hard oh talk about uh, this evolve thing too real quick oh talk about evolve yeah that's um, right. i forgot about that yeah so evolve is something that um I've done before. I'm doing it again. It's a group coaching program for men. And it's a lot about the same conversation that we've had here today, which is is my goal as a coach is to lead men back to who they are, first of all, and secondly, teach them how to embrace their emotions, come out uh, in a way that is vulnerable and open. And bringing that back to their family, their community, their business is the gift that all of those things need in their life. Like I, I have a client who... I've been working with him for about a year. He's got his own business. In the first six months that we worked together, he grew his business by 60%. And in the first half of 2019, his business has already matched what they made in 2018. So in six months, they made the exact amount. And I'm only saying this because like, I literally didn't know what he did mm-hmm. for the first six months of our, our work together because all I do with the guys that I work with, I don't care about X's and O's. I don't care about your rational... Like, what do I have to do to get things done attitude? Like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know who you are. I want to know what emotions you want to feel genuinely. Often, you know, guys will say, I want to, I want to, you know, feel closer to my family. I'm like, okay, so you want love and you're okay to say, it's mm-hmm. okay to say love, my you're friend. You're allowed to. <laughs> um, and, you know, oftentimes it comes back to freedom, whether it be financial, time freedom, space freedom, like having some place and peace that is yours. So that, that's kind of the premise of Evolve is not so much to worry about how to hustle and grind and do all of the things that men love to do anyway. Like, you can go do that without me. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of create an army of, of men that are willing to open their heart up and come back to what emotions they want to feel and feel them actively instead of waiting for certain things to happen. And I know that that as a marketing pitch is not a strong one, but I, I say all the things about you know my clients like that they've grown their business to X amount of dollars is because... That's all we do is, is we mm-hmm. like, what do you want to feel? And he wanted to feel love and he wanted to feel freedom and he wanted to feel peace. And we made it an active thing that he had to do every single day, just like a to-do list. And I call them to feel lists. To feel you get lists. to feel today. And, uh, and things happen because you show up as the person that you're meant to be. You show up as the person that feels right within their own skin and amazing things happen. So yeah, Evolve is, um, is the group coaching program experience that, uh, that really is going to evolve, well, involve the evolution of, of who you are from the inside and then let that go out to the outside. So that's, uh, it's starting up next. So I don't know when this podcast will air, but we're starting up on August. Yeah, we're in August, August 15th. And I mean, if you're hearing this late and you want to get involved, please feel free to reach out. And in terms of where you can find me, um, you can find me on Facebook, Nick Maytash. My last name does not sound like it spells. It is M-A-T-I-A-S-H. I'm usually one of the first people at the top, mainly because I post a lot. And so that's that's where you can find me on Facebook. Instagram, if you're a fan of that, you can find me at Nick underscore Moving Past Mediocre. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Nick Maytash, just like on Facebook. And the book called Moving Past Mediocre is on Amazon right now. You can pick that up. Um, if you look at my name or if you look up Moving Past Mediocre, I'm sure you can find it just fine. This is the book that we've kind of referenced a little bit throughout the interview here. And uh, yeah, it took me about eight months to write. It's really a labor of love. You'll get to know me personally a whole lot throughout mm-hmm. the book because I tell a lot of stories about myself, my family. I already you knew probably, your dog's name and your wife's name. Walk it in. <laughs> you probably get a real sense of how crazy I am about my <laughs> wife. But yeah, all of those those areas and places you can find me and, and feel free to reach out and message me and don't feel like because you heard me on a podcast or you know that I'm a coach or anything like that, that you can't just message me and ask a question because true to, to Sean's point earlier is we're all just looking for connection and mm-hmm. um, whatever 
way I can I can assist with that, whether it be a formal version of, of me coaching you or just kind of letting you air out whatever you need to via a message or, or something like that. Uh, I'm here and I'm game. So that's, I think that's all the ways that you can find me. Beautiful. All right, brother. I appreciate coming on. Yeah, man. Awesome meeting you. Thank you for welcoming into your home. Yeah. And I will uh, be in touch. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you for listening and thank you, sir. All right. Later. Okay, peeps. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And this has definitely been one of my favorite episodes. As I said in the intro, it really touched home and uh, something that I love to talk about. Check out Nick Maytosh, his book, Moving Past Mediocre. If you want to get a hold of his life coaching stuff, look for him on Facebook. It's Nick, M-A-T-I-A-S-H. That's Nick, M-A-T-I-A-S-H. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram. And check him out. Give him your support. Talk to him. He's an awesome, down-to-earth, badass, real human being to have a conversation with. All right, until next week, take it easy, stay encouraged, stay strong, stay positive, change your mindsets, change how you talk to yourself, unless, of course, you talk to yourself already in a positive manner. Keep that. I love you. Looking forward to this future and the growth of Room 9 and helping so many people out there get educated on what they need education on. So thank you and peace.